Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Today, we're going to start with the service in the first apartment at the sanctuary. Let's ask for Jesus to guide us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, blessed be your name. We want to hallow your name today in our lives. Let your word go forth and edify and bless many. Please, Lord, help us to deliver this in such a way that it's understandable and a blessing to those who listen. In your name I pray. Amen. We're going to begin in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Psalms 102, 19. For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven did the Lord behold the earth. There is a heavenly temple, I will read in Great Controversy, page 489, a couple paragraphs, maybe one paragraph, no two, uh, one paragraph, <laughs> sorry. The intercession of Christ in man's behalf in the sanctuary above is as essential to the plan of salvation as was his death upon the cross. We will try to explain that. By his death he began that work which after his resurrection he ascended to complete in heaven. So we must by faith enter within the veil whither the forerunner is for us entered. Jesus is our forerunner. There the light from the cross of Calvary is reflected. There we may gain a clearer insight into the mysteries of redemption. The salvation of man is accomplished at an infinite expense to heaven. The sacrifice made is equal to the broadest demands of the broken law of God. Jesus has opened the way to the Father's throne, and through his mediation, the sincere desire of all who come to him in faith may be presented before God. Now we will turn in my Bible to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20. I'm going to present the sanctuary and God's throne in heaven as opposed to the sanctuary on earth. And just to help you lay it out in your mind a little bit, maybe this is helpful, the sanctuary on the earth had an outer court where the sacrifice was made. That represents the earth because that's where Jesus was sacrificed. And that was where the type, where people sacrificed animals, would look forward to the antitype, which was Christ being crucified on the cross outside the city. But that represented the earth where Jesus was crucified inside in the holy place. Actually, the holy places were separated into two. The reason why would there was a shift in the service from animals being offered on the earth to Jesus after he was offered on the earth, working as a high priest in heaven. So the most holy place represents God's throne room in heaven, and the holy place also has thrones where the showbread is on the north side with the lampstand facing it, just as John the Revelator explained 
uh, express. And this is where the work that began after the sanctuary was established on earth and put up by Moses until 1844. And that's when the, well, actually, when Jesus was crucified, let me take that back. Well, it's a little murky, but let me try to explain it so maybe clarify it to myself as well. Jesus was crucified, uh, then he became the high priest, then he went to heaven, and then he went into the throne room of God, which is the most holy place, so at his sacrifice. However, um, when he first went to heaven, he didn't go immediately into the most holy place. The holy place work was still continuing until 1844. So he was in heaven, but that's where John the Revelator describes the holy place with the seven lamps before the throne of God. And that's during that time that Jesus was officiating in the holy place. And then in 1844, there's a shift that Daniel defines and John also defines Jesus and the Father. They rise up from the throne and they go into the most holy place. It's a different place. Why? Because it's a shift in service. And there is where the time of atonement begins. So um, as we are reading these things, if, if you can see that picture in your mind, the outer courts of the earth, the holy places is the earth and heaven, and then the most holy place is heaven. And Jesus is, and the throne is in the holy place, and the throne is in the most holy place, because they have um, both happen in heaven and the holy place happens on her. Oh boy, I, have, I hope I haven't murkied up the water. Let me just read. Okay, I'm going to Hebrews 6, verse 20. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. A forerunner is somebody who used to run ahead of somebody important to let them know they were coming so that everyone could get ready. Like the stones could be cleared out of the road. The forerunner did all of this work. And doesn't that just touch your heart that Jesus considered us important and he went ahead of us. So now it's our arrival. He's a forerunner. That's what um, how Paul describes him here in Hebrews 20. All right, let's see. Hebrews 8, verse 1. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. That's the heavenly sanctuary. Jesus is priest in the heavenly temple. In early writings, page 48. Oh, let us live holy for the Lord, and show by a well-ordered life and godly conversation that we have been with Jesus, and we are his meek and lowly followers. We must work while the day lasts, for when the dark night of trouble and anguish comes, it will be too late to work for God. Jesus is in his holy temple, and will now accept our sacrifices, our prayers, and our confessions of faults and sins, and will pardon all the transgression of Israel, that they may be blotted out before he leaves the sanctuary. When Jesus leaves the sanctuary, then they who are holy and righteous will be holy and righteous still, for all their sins will then be blotted out, and they will be sealed with the seal of the living God. But 
Those that are unjust and filthy will be unjust and filthy still. For then there will be no priest in the sanctuary to offer their sacrifices, their confessions, and their prayers before the Father's throne. Therefore, what is done to rescue souls from the coming storm of wrath must be done before Jesus leaves the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. We are the congregation. Testimonies, Volume 6, page 366, describes it like this. The church of God below is one with the church of God above. Believers on the earth and the beings in heaven who have never fallen constitute one church. Every heavenly intelligence is interested in the assemblies of the saints who on earth meet to worship God. In the inner court of heaven, they listen to the testimony of the witnesses for Christ in the outer court on earth. See, it refers to the inner and the outer court of the sanctuary. The earth is the outer court. And the praise and thanksgiving from the worshipers below is taken up in the heavenly anthem and praise and rejoicing sound through the heavenly courts because Christ has not died in vain for the fallen sons of Adam. While angels drink from the fountainhead, the saints on earth drink of the pure streams flowing from the throne, the streams that make glad the city of our God. Oh, that we could all realize the nearness of heaven to earth. When the earthborn children know it not, they have angels of light as their companions. And uh, it's kind of interesting how in the temple, when the high priest would go in, the people in Israel would be outside in the outer court, praying and waiting for him to come out to let them know their sins were forgiven and they were accepted of God. And the earth is the outer court. And in heaven is the most holy place, God's throne. And we should be out here praying and waiting for our high priest to come back to get us, which he will one day soon. I liked that comparison. Let's see. He, okay, that's what I was going to say. Early writings, page 55. See where I am here. Oops. Uh oh, I think I may have. Oh, almost messed up. <laughs> almost. Very close call. I almost totally lost all my work. Early writings, page 55. I saw the Father rise from the throne and in a flaming chariot go into the Holy of Holies within the veil and sit down. Then Jesus rose up from the throne and the most of those who were bowed down arose with him. I did not see one ray of light pass from Jesus to the careless multitude after he arose, and they were left in perfect darkness. Those who arose when Jesus did kept their eyes fixed on him as he left the throne and led them out a little way. Then he raised his right arm, and we heard his lovely voice saying, Wait here. I'm going to my Father to receive the kingdom. Keep your garments spotless. See, that sounds like we would be in the outer court. And he was saying, wait here while he went into the inner court. 
In a little while I will return from the wedding and receive you to myself. And a cloudy chariot with wheels like flaming fire surrounded by angels came to where Jesus was. He stepped into the chariot and was borne to the holiest where the Father sat. There I beheld Jesus, a great high priest, standing before the Father. On the hem of his garment was a bill and a pomegranate, a bill and a pomegranate. And those who rose up with Jesus would send up their faith to him in the holiest and pray, My Father, give us thy spirit. And Jesus would breathe upon them the Holy Ghost. In that breath was light, power, much love, joy, and peace. I turned to look at the company who were still bowed before the throne. They did not know that Jesus had left it. See, during that time, not everybody accepted the knowledge that Jesus had left from the holy place and went to the most holy place, that there was a shift. And many of the churches did not accept that, and so they stayed where they were and did not change their thinking. They didn't follow Jesus by faith into the most holy place. And so she's saying here what it looked like in her vision. I turned to look at the company who were still bowed before the throne. They did not know that Jesus had left it. Satan appeared to be appeared to be by the throne, trying to carry on the work of God. I saw them look up to the throne and pray, Father, give us thy spirit. And Satan would then breathe upon them an unholy influence. In it there was light and much power, but no, sweet love, joy, and peace. Satan's object was to keep them deceived and to draw back and deceive God's children. They didn't follow Jesus by faith, and so they stayed, and Satan just stepped in and took over influencing them. It's kind of scary. Um, you wouldn't even know that you had shifted, that Satan was now your leader. That happened to many of the churches. All right, Hebrews 8, 1 to 5. Hebrews, I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut. Hebrews 8, 1 to 5. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God, when he was about to make the tabernacle foresee, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed you in the mount. And the pattern was the heavenly sanctuary. Service in earthly sanctuary was just a shadow of the actual heavenly one. Now in the Great Controversy, page 420, I have two paragraphs. Important truths concerning the atonement are taught by the typical service. A substitute was accepted in the sinner's stead, but the sin was not canceled by the blood of the victim. A means was thus provided by which it was transferred to the sanctuary. By the offering of blood, the sinner acknowledged the authority of the law, confessed his guilt in transgression. He expressed his desire for pardon through faith in a Redeemer to come, but he was not yet entirely released from the condemnation of the law. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest, having taken an offering from the congregation, went into the most holy place with the blood of this offering. He sprinkled it on the mercy seat directly over the law to make satisfaction for its claims. Then, in his character of mediator, he took the sins upon himself, and he bore them from the sanctuary 
placing his hand upon the head of the scapegoat, he confessed over him all these sins, thus in figure transferring them from himself to this goat. The goat then bore them away, and they were regarded as forever separated from the people. That was the end of the annual service. Such was the service performed unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. And what was done in type in the ministration of the earthly sanctuary is done in reality in the ministration of the heavenly sanctuary. After his ascension, our Savior began his work as our high priest, says Paul. Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hallelujah. Thanks, Jesus. Hebrews 9.26 For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So sin will be put away. It will be no more. Leviticus 4.27-31 And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and be guilty, or if a sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he hath sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering, and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. Remember what we studied before that that blood poured out on the ground was um, the promise that Christ's shed blood would cleanse the earth one day. But he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto the Lord, and the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Now this is speaking of sins of ignorance, something that you didn't realize that you did, but when it came to your knowledge, you would make a sacrifice and be forgiven. Okay. Leviticus 16.30 For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So this is speaking of the day of atonement. And that was how everybody's sins were taken away. They were The sanctuary was cleansed and they would be clean. And they resided there in, in figure in the sanctuary until the day of atonement. This is happening in reality in heaven. Prophets and Kings, page 684. In patriarchal times, the sacrificial offerings connected with divine worship constituted a perpetual reminder of the coming of a Savior, and thus it was with the entire ritual of the sanctuary services throughout Israel's history 
in the ministration of the tabernacle and of the temple that afterward took its place. The people were taught each day by means of types and shadows the great truths relative to the advent of Christ as Redeemer, Priest, and King. And once each year their minds were carried forward to the closing events of the great controversy between Christ and Satan, the final purification of the universe from sin and sinners, the sacrifice and offerings of the Mosaic ritual were ever pointing toward a better service, even a heavenly. The earthly sanctuary was a figure for the time and present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Its two holy places were patterns of things in the heavens. For Christ, our great high priest, is today a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Oh, I think I was supposed to read 685 as well. Uh, let me check the book. Oh, oh, I did already. Okay. <clears throat> Hebrews 9.22. Hebrews 9.22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Early Writings, page 149. Early Writings, page 149. All right. Sorrow filled heaven as it was realized that man was lost and that world which God had created was to be filled with mortals doomed to misery, sickness, and death. There was no way of escape for the offender. The whole family of Adam must die. I saw the lovely Jesus and beheld an expression of sympathy and sorrow upon his countenance. Soon I saw him approach the exceeding bright light which enshrouded the Father Said my accompanying angel, he is in close converse with his father. The anxiety of the angel seemed to be intense. While Jesus was communing with his father, three times he was shut in by the glorious light about the father, and the third time he came from the father, his person could be seen. His countenance was calm, free from all perplexity and doubt, and shone with a benevolence and loveliness such as words cannot express. He then made known to the angelic host that a way of escape had been made for lost man. He told them that he had been pleading with his father and had offered to give his life a ransom to take the sentence of death upon himself, that through him man might find pardon, that through the merits of his blood and obedience to the law of God, they could have the favor of God and be brought into the beautiful garden and eat of the fruit of the tree of life. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew twenty six twenty eight. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This was Jesus speaking at the Last Supper. Christ's blood shed for the remission of sins. I'm opening up my Acts of the Apostles book to page 552 and 553. 
If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The conditions of obtaining mercy from God are simple and reasonable. The Lord does not require us to do some grievous thing in order to gain forgiveness. We need not make long and wearisome pilgrimages or perform painful penances to commend our souls to the God of heaven or to expiate our transgression. He that confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. In the courts above, Christ is pleading for his church, pleading for those for whom he has paid the redemption price of his blood. Centuries, ages, can never lessen the efficacy of his atoning sacrifice. Neither life nor death, height nor depth can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, not because we hold him so firmly, but because he holds us so fast. If our salvation depended on our own efforts, we could not be saved. But it depends on the one who is behind all the promises. Our grasp on him may seem feeble. His love is that of an elder brother. So long as we maintain our union with him, no one can pluck us out of his hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay, that was Acts of the Apostles, 552 and 553. Now I'm going to turn to Leviticus 4.27. Bear with me one second. I have to adjust my screen. Okay, Leviticus 4.27 and 28. <clears throat> And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which he ought not to be done and be guilty, or if his sin which he has sinned came to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering, a kid for a goat. Then he shall lay his hands on the head of the offering and slay the sin offering. So that's a second reading of this, just to remind us that it was a shadow and type of the blood of Christ. And that's what, what we did on this earth until Jesus came. A sinner brought the lamb. Leviticus 4.29 And they um, slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. I see. That was a sin offering instead of a burnt offering. All right. Uh, Numbers 5, 6, and 7. Speak unto the children of Israel, when a man or woman shall commit any sin that men commit, to do a trespass against the Lord, and that person be guilty, then they shall confess their sin which they have done, and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof, and add unto it the fifth part thereof, and give it unto him against whom he hath trespassed. So that was like um, paying a little bit of interest or something, if you wronged somebody you pay them back the principal plus the fifth part. And seven, yeah. Hmm. We don't do that today, do we? They would confess their sin over a lamb anyways. Leviticus 4, 5, and 6. The blood would be presented before the Lord. Leviticus 4, 5, and 6. I believe we've already read that like twice. 
that um, he would then present his blood before the Lord for forgiveness. Now we're going to go to Leviticus 10, 16 to 18. Leviticus 10. 16 through 18. And Moses diligently sought the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burnt. He was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, which were left alive, saying, Wherefore have you not eaten the sin offering in the holy place, seeing it is most holy, and God hath given it to you to bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord? Behold, the blood of it was not brought in within the holy place. You should indeed have eaten it in the holy place, as I commanded. This is giving us some information that the high priests would bear the sins of the people in their own bodies and carry it into where it was transferred to the most holy place. And this was a type and a shadow of what God does um, in the heavenly sanctuary, which is why we are living in a time of atonement. But let's just continue reading. Uh, Leviticus 6, verse 30. And no sin offering whereof any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of the congregation to reconcile with all in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burnt in the fire. So, there's a lot having to do with the sin being transferred to the most holy place. Uh, the flesh is eaten by the priest before the Lord. When the blood was not taken into the sanctuary, either blood or flesh of every sin offering was taken into the sanctuary. This was a type of the real work. Great Controversy, page 418. I'm just having a problem here. Okay. Sorry. Great Controversy, page 418. All right. Let's see what we're looking for here. The ministration of the earthly sanctuary consisted of two divisions. The priests ministered daily in the holy place, while once a year... The high priest performed a special work of atonement in the most holy place for the cleansing of the sanctuary. Day by day, the repentant sinner brought his offering to the door of the tabernacle and placing his hand upon the victim's head, confessed his sins, thus in figure, transferring them from himself to the innocent sacrifice. The animal was enslain without shedding of blood, says the apostle. There's no remission of sins. So the life of the flesh is in the blood the broken law of God demanded the life of the transgressor. The blood, representing the forfeited life of the sinner, whose guilt the victim bore, was carried by the priest into the holy place and sprinkled before the veil, behind which was the ark containing the law that the sinner had transgressed. By this ceremony, the sin was, through the blood, transferred in figure to the sanctuary. In some cases, the blood was not taken into the holy place, but the flesh was then to be carried in and eaten by the priest, as Moses directed the sons of Aaron, saying, God hath given it to you to bear the iniquity of the congregation. Both ceremonies alike symbolized the transfer of the sin from the penitent to the sanctuary. John 1, verse 29.
The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Christ is the real Lamb of God. The Acts of the Apostles, page 33. The disciples were still looking earnestly toward heaven, when, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. The promise of Christ's second coming was ever to be kept fresh in the minds of his disciples. The same Jesus, whom they had seen descending into heaven, would come again, to take to himself those who here below give themselves to his service. The same voice that had said to them, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end, would bid them welcome to his presence in the heavenly kingdom. And as in the typical service, the high priest laid aside his pontifical robes and officiated in the white linen dress of an ordinary priest, so Christ laid aside his royal robes and garbed himself with humanity and offered sacrifice himself the priest himself the victim, as the high priest, after performing his service in the Holy of Holies, came forth to the waiting congregation in his pontifical robes. So Christ will come the second time, clothed in garments of whitest white, so as no fuller on earth can white them. He will come in his own glory, and the glory of his Father and all the angelic hosts will escort him on his way. First <clears throat> Peter 2, verse 24. Sorry, I'm losing my place for some reason. Okay. Trying to get down to here. First Peter two, verse twenty-four. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Christ bore our sins in his own body or flesh. The Desire of Ages, page 751, says, And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Christ suffered without the gates. For transgression of the law of God, Adam and Eve were banished from Eden. Christ, our substitute, was to suffer without the boundaries of Jerusalem. He died outside the gate where felons and murderers were executed. Full of significance are the words, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Hebrews 9.12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So this is telling us that Jesus went into the holy place in heaven after he resurrected. And um, 
And of course, on 1844, he went into the most holy place. But that was Hebrews 9, 12. Early Writings, page 38. Page 38. <clears throat> I saw four angels who had a work to do on the earth and were on their way to accomplish it. Jesus was clothed with priestly garments. He gazed in pity on the remnant, then raised his hands, and with a voice of deep pity cried, My blood, Father, my blood, my blood, my blood. And I saw an exceeding bright light come from God, who sat upon the great white throne and was shed all about Jesus. Then I saw an angel with a commission from Jesus, swiftly flying to the four angels who had a work to, <clears throat> a work to do on the earth and waving something up and down in his hand, crying with a loud voice, hold, 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 to all form, one to each angel, until the servants of God are sealed in their foreheads. I asked my accompanying angel the meaning of what I heard and what the four angels were about to do. He said to me that it was God that restrained the powers and that he gave his angels charge over things on the earth, that the four angels had power from God to hold the four winds, which have to do with war and strife. They were about to let them go, but while their hands were loosening and the four winds were about to blow, the merciful eye of Jesus gazed on the remnant that were not sealed. And he raised his hands to the Father and pleaded with him that he had spilled his blood for them. Then another angel was commissioned to fly swiftly to the four angels and bid them to hold until the servants of God were sealed with the seal of the living God in their foreheads. And page 253 also. Oh, that was nice. Did I just open up to the page I needed? Well, I did. All right. <clears throat> As Jesus died on Calvary, he cried, It is finished. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. This was to show that the service of the earthless sanctuary were forever finished and that God would no more meet with the priests in their earthly temple to accept their sacrifices. The blood of Jesus was then shed, which was to be offered by himself in the heavenly sanctuary. As the priest entered the most holy place once a year to cleanse the earthly sanctuary, so Jesus entered the most holy of the heavenly at the end of the 2300 days of Daniel 8 in 1844 to make a final atonement for all who could be benefited by his mediation and thus to cleanse the sanctuary. Oh, I'm going to save that to read again later. Let's see. There's something in there that caught my eye. Okay, Great Controversy, page 430. Page 430. Hmm. <clears throat> now we're seeing the application of those words of Christ in the Revelation addressed to the church at this very time. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. It is those who by faith follow Jesus in the great work of the atonement, who receive the benefits of his mediation in their behalf. It's those who follow Jesus who receive the benefits. While those who reject the light which brings to view this work of ministration are not benefited thereby. If people reject the light, they're not benefited. 
The Jews who rejected the light given at Christ's first advent refused to believe on, on him as the Savior of the world. They couldn't receive pardon through him because they didn't accept him. And so now, the churches are people who don't receive this light cannot be benefited by him. It's very serious. When Jesus at his ascension entered by his own blood into the heavenly sanctuary to shed upon his disciples the blessings of his mediation, the Jews were left in total darkness to continue their useless sacrifices and offerings. The ministration of types and shadows had ceased. And just so, I just want to add here, this is me speaking, so don't put it on the book. Okay, it's the book's fault. <laughs> when Jesus went into the Most Holy Post in 1844 to minister for people in a different way, the people who refused to follow him in there by faith and continued to try to follow the holy place experience is sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. But the experience in the most holy place is being perfected by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and growing up into Christ and uh, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a different experience, and those who did not follow him in there cannot be benefited by his help. I'm just saying, okay. Um, that door by which men had formerly found access to God was no longer open. That sin and repent door is closed. The Jews had refused to seek him in the only way whereby he could then be found through the ministration in the sanctuary in heaven. Therefore, they found no communion with God. To them, the door was shut. They had no knowledge of Christ as the true sacrifice and the only mediator before God. Hence, they could not receive the benefits of his mediation. So, when I say the sin and repent door is closed, that doesn't mean that there's no hope for those who have a mistake or sin. In the most holy place experience, the Lord is working with you very personally, intimately, uh, growing you up with great tenderness and love, helping you to gain the victory over things. And we make mistakes sometimes. But God's people are not at enmity with him, and they are not in open rebellion and he is working with us to prepare us, but we have to follow him in there by faith and know where he is and what he's doing. That's a very serious. <clears throat> okay, Hebrews 9, verse 6. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. This service, the daily service, continued throughout the year. Great Controversy, page 421. Okay. It was the work of the priest in the daily ministration to present before God the blood of the sin offering, also the incense which ascended with the prayers of Israel. So did Christ plead his blood before the Father in behalf of sinners, and present before him also, with the precious fragrance of his own righteousness, the prayers of penitent believers, as people who repent. Such was the work of ministration in the first apartment of the sanctuary in heaven. You see, it's repent, sin and repent. That's the holy place. And Jesus was mediating for them during that time. All of this service was an object lesson to lift up the great sin bearer before the people. All right, we have reached the end of our study. My brothers and sisters, I do really hope that you were able to be blessed somewhat by this. Let me just recap what we have learned. I'm going to quickly summarize all of the things that we have read. Uh, okay. 
There's a heavenly temple. Jesus is the priest in the heavenly temple. We are the congregation. The service in the earthly is a shadow of the heavenly. The object of service was to put away sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Christ's blood shed for the remission of our sin. The sinner would bring a lamb. They would confess their sin over the lamb. The blood would be presented before the Lord. The flesh was eaten by the priest before the Lord. When the blood was not taken into the sanctuary, either blood or flesh of every sin offering was taken into the sanctuary, which was a type of the real work going on in heaven. <clears throat> so that when we sin here and we confess, um, Christ is presenting his blood before the Father for our sin, and he is bearing our sin in his own body, just as the type which was on earth, they did that. This was a type of the real work. Christ is the real Lamb of God. He bore our sins in his own body. Christ entered the heavenly temple with his own blood. This service continued throughout the year, and this was all an object lesson to lift up the great sin bearer before the people. All right. For those of you who have stuck it out, <laughs> hallelujah, blessed be the name of the Lord. I hope you are blessed. Let's have a closing prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray you bless those who are here with me today with a deeper understanding of what's actually happening in heaven, what you are doing for us, and how you are bringing us salvation and redemption. In your name I pray, amen. All right, brothers, sisters, have a wonderful day. God bless you. See you in the morning.